you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? When in the SEC, Probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How was that weekend, huh? <laughs> hey, just when you didn't think the college football Saturday could get any more exciting, the damn swamp broke out in a fire because of a, du- a dumpster fire. <laughs> I know, and I didn't know how to handle this joke, Mike, you know, because the Tennessee Vol in me wanted to just, you know, I mean, make a mockery of it. But then part of me is like, well, I hope nobody's, you know, I hope nobody's hurt or anything like that. But, man, you talk about catching fire. I think more people knew about that fire at that stadium (laughs) at Tennessee than anywhere else. (laughs) And I I will say, uh, Dan Mullen got on there and he, he had a nice little spin zone to it. Absolutely. Dan Mullen, Scott Strickland, they had a good time with it. Of course, no one was injured. That's why, you know, we're sitting here joking. If anybody would have got hurt, stadium's not damaged at all. I mean, there there was a serious fire. There was a lot of smoke. It was for about 10 minutes there. We didn't know if the Gators were going to be playing at uh, Ben Hill Griffin this year. But uh, apparently, and this is no lie, apparently it was part of a dumpster fire, some kind of <laughs> golf cart type deal. I don't know what in the hell it was, but it really did catch on fire. So it was truly a dumpster fire there at Florida. But I mean, that was just part of the fun because obviously it wasn't sec action and hell, Uh I didn't know half these teams or hardly anybody, these players names, but I had real real quick on the Florida thing. Everybody kept asking where I was at. (laughs) (laughs) I People kept asking me where I was at. Then I realized there was a fire down there. So I was not in Gainesville. I swear. (laughs) No, Cousin Shane, I'll tell you where he was. He was the same place as I was, locked on that couch watching college football because, like I was saying, man, I didn't know half these damn game or half these teams or hardly any of these players, but I knew I was in for all Saturday of action, and, man, it was great. The only thing that wasn't great was the damn special teams. It was maybe the worst special teams weekend (laughs) I've ever seen, but that's just the beauty of college football. It was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Here we were just harping on Arkansas and, and special teams, and then you see the first top 25 upset and honestly had everything to do with that aspect of the game. So, I mean, they had a kick return. They had a punt return. 
the raging Cajuns are still partying right now, Mike. <laughs> so, you know, it's so funny because I'm watching this. Uh, what was the first one I watched? The Arkansas State and Kansas um, State. Kansas, yes. Not a not a game I planned on watching last year. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like here I am glued to this thing. It's an absolute court. I mean, it was just it was a great game, and it wasn't the only one. There was the South Alabama game, mm-hmm. uh, stupid Louisville game. There was what else did you watch? Oh, the Florida State. Florida oh State. Oh my gosh! Did <laughs> did you watch that? Oh yeah. You so. talk about dumpster fires. There was two dumpster <laughs> fires down in Florida, man. Uh, and, New FSU coach, same result here, and <laughs> losing at home, double-digit underdog to a true freshman, second year in a row. Jeff Collins there at Georgia Tech looks like he's turning that thing around. So good for the Yellow Jackets, but more of the same for Florida State. And that game even got delayed by weather, and I yeah. I, I thought that was going to delay the momentum, but hell, it turned into that turned to be like the magic for Georgia Tech. And I didn't want to call attention to this prior to the games, but Tim Brando had Iowa State number six in the nation. They got waxed, like you said, at home by Louisiana. You better believe I was locked into that Arkansas State. That was my lock of the week. Mm -hmm. Called it on this show. I didn't know if they could win outright, but, hell, they beat Kansas State on the road. Dude. So many great games. That receiver, uh, I'm telling you, man, he he's going to be playing in the NFL. He he had some. I mean, he took control of that game. It mm-hmm. was his ball game, and uh, the best catch technically wasn't even a catch. And I hate that because Sports Center would have ate it up. But uh, no, there was there's fantastic games all over the place. Um, I, I think the the Blackman hop train ended. You know, I think we can put that to rest, even though uh, McElroy's still bragging about how great he is. <laughs> it's just like the whole time, man, they're just kissing FSU's ass. And I'm like, what you know, are we watching the same game? Because Georgia Tech's still in this thing. So uh, kudos to Georgia Tech. A lot of people were surprised they don't run the triple option anymore. So it was just a it was it was a fantastic weekend, Mike. And uh, I'm looking forward to many more of these. Yeah, I think the Sun Belt 3-0 versus the Big 12. Oh, yeah. I don't like to make fun of the Big 12 too much. They saved the damn season. but Did you watch Kansas game? I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, I didn't stay up for that one. Once I saw the uh, Coastal Carolina jump on them, I, I figured that was all she wrote, and I was right. Man, it's tough is, sledding is for less eat, miles. Is he still eating grass? Is he still doing that? <laughs> He's eating a lot more than grass, I'd say. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's on his way out, man. Bless it. I, I thought, man, they'd have a shot, you know, but I think I think that momentum train has ended for Kansas. So three three losses, man. Think about that. But I think it's I think it's also an eye opener, you know, to what's about to happen in the SEC. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys were not prepared, man. We had a lot of missed tackling, a lot of stupid fundamental mistakes like special teams and things like that. Well, when you can't have full contact all all offseason, you're going to have mistakes like this. Right. And, uh, you know, one thing, I don't know if this was legit when it was reported about a week or two ago, but apparently it was, you know, Oklahoma, they opened against Missouri State, wasn't mm-hmm. on cable. It was pay-per-view, $55. So that's that was true. It was $55 to watch this damn game. <laughs> and, of course, I didn't pay it because I don't care that much to watch that game. Right. But – Hell, I don't know if you saw this. Oklahoma and Fox Sports, they were tweeting out every highlight. Imagine paying $55. (laughs) Here I am just seeing every important play on Twitter. I mean, I'd be mad as hell if I paid $55 for that. 
Absolutely. Again, I, there's no way I would sp- – I didn't even know they still had pay-per-view games. <laughs> I thought that that has gone away, but apparently not. I, I would never spend it, – it'd be one thing if it was like a good matchup, but you knew exactly what you were going to see. It was going to be like the Clemson game, you know, which, by the way, Clemson looked pretty daggone good, buddy. Did you see them? I don't, I don't like to talk about Clemson, but – uh, I, I will say out of all the teams that I saw, like a legit shot in the playoffs right now, mm-hmm. it's Clemson. It's not Notre Dame. Guess what? Notre Dame is off that wagon. Don't have to worry about them anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, there were so many good games. And then next week, the, the big one that we've got Miami Louisville. So, I mean, it's just going to be another awesome Saturday. I can't wait for mm-hmm. it. Oh, me either, man. All right, so enough spieling uh, with all that stuff. You ready to get into some SEC action? Real quick, for the listeners probably interested in what I'm uh, drinking on, mm-hmm. I got the uh, Lugia. Uh, I, I, I probably should have not said anything, but this is called Lugit. Okay, it's L-A-G-U-N-I-T-A-S. It's called Little Sumpin' and mm-hmm. Sumpin' Ale. It is way smooth and silky. And what I like about it, it is uh, 7.5. So Ooh. it's it's got a little, you know, I'm about to be buzzing, brother. So um, <laughs> looks good. Looks good in my ice mug here. So I'm ready to go around the, uh, around the league, Mike. All right. Sounds like you're already buzzing. Let's do it. <laughs> now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the league. Uh, my, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, hey, before we get into uh, the you know college news around here, mm-hmm. anybody that missed it here, I can't. I don't recall if we talked about this or not. But on uh, Friday evening, South Carolina's five-star quarterback commit Gunnar Stockton against Georgia's five-star quarterback Brock Vandergriff. It was a high school showdown. It's always kind of fun when ESPN does these high school games, you know, right before the college season gets underway. And mm-hmm. uh, just one of a quick takeaway here: Gunnar Stockton's team won the day. I thought both these guys looked pretty good, but. Vandergriff's a senior, Stockton a junior, and Stockton teams his team won thanks to a, a game-winning drive. Stockton accounted for every single yard running or passing in in the game-winning drive there. And man, I got I'm I'm fired up from a South Carolina fan because now this may be too bold because I've heard a lot of uh, comparisons to the the North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell. I've heard mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield. I didn't really see that from this Gunner Stockton. You know who I saw, Shane? Paxton Lynch. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Tim Tebow. Oh, I mean, really? I think he's – hell, this is the only first game I've ever seen from him, so <laughs> maybe I'm going a little overboard here. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy is like a – he's a machine, man. He's he's built for uh, – he's a physical runner. He's a great passer. He, 
mm-hmm. he was like an intimidating player. He was by far the most dominant player on the field. Now, I did do a little research. They're playing in like a lower level Georgia high school football. I think it was private league, but so you got to take into that a little bit. But man, I was just blown away by him, and I still think the Georgia quarterback commit Vandegrift is looks like a very solid prospect, but. It's pretty rare when you got a five-star senior and a five-star junior, and I came away from it saying South Carolina's by far got the better quarterback here. And you compared him to Tim Tebow, buddy. I te- what a young you Tim Tebow, man. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking over there? Hey, mark my words, man. I think it's going to happen. Okay. Well, you know, I didn't get to watch if really any of this game. I'm not going to sit here and lie, but I did get to see the highlights. And uh, what I did see is kind of kind of mirroring what you're saying. It's just they. It looks like South Carolina is going to have a good quarterback. That's not only, you, you know, the thing. It, it wasn't the running. It wasn't the passing. It was just the the emotion this kid have. You know, he mm-hmm. he he was so damn fired up. Did you see when he scored that one touchdown? He ran it in, and mm-hmm. next thing you know, he's celebrating back there in the corner of the end zone. <laughs> I mean, that that kid was he was playing like his hair was on fire. So. Uh, I did like the energy he brought to that game, but uh, still early, Mike, still early. We're still compared. I mean, we don't – I mean, we're talking SEC and, and uh, a private college or high school, you know. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gap in talent around them. So, right. uh, we'll have to see. But if you are a South Carolina – I think if you're a Georgia fan, I think Vandergriff also had some, some great – he showed – promise uh, if if that makes sense and and may and you know you bring him to georgia in that system and who knows maybe he flourishes so Mm -hmm. uh i I think both i think both schools are going to be happy with what they're getting yeah they said on the telecast vandegrift's his start receivers one was five foot nine the (laughs) the other was five foot six i mean no i mean they and they didn't look like i'm not saying they were terrible players or anything but what i'm saying is it's going to be a different story when he gets to athens think you know? about that man if you could thread a needle in a five six <laughs> five nine little basket you know when you come up uh how, how, george how pickens george? you know yeah it's like six five you know so man he's gonna he's gonna be like man look at all this space i get to work with so <laughs> Well, speaking of Georgia, let's uh, hop on down to Athens. It's where the Bulldogs had a scrimmage here, and uh, we didn't get Kirby Smart or anything after the the scrimmage, but uh, old former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray, he hopped on Twitter to give us the the down low on what he saw. But before we get to Murray's clip, uh, this was widely reported, and Murray kind of confirms it here, but uh, Dewan Mathis got all the first-team reps. So what they did was they played a first half of football, just like a re- the first half was just like a game. Dewan Mathis got all the first team reps. Carson Beck, the freshman, got all the second team reps. And then JT Daniels came in for the second half. But from what I hear, the first team offense did not score a touchdown. Of course, hell, you're going against Georgia's first team defense. Yeah, so right. maybe that's, you know, that that's not as telling as I'm, I'm going to make it out to be here. But uh, let's kick it over to Aaron Murray, who was at at the scrimmage and kind of shared his thoughts. And then I've got some thoughts on the other end. I had the opportunity to head to Athens yesterday to watch the Bulldogs scrimmage. And just like everyone else, I think all eyes were on the QB position. How would those guys perform? Thought it was a great scrimmage. I thought everyone looked really good, had their moments to shine. And speaking with Todd Munkin before, uh, I think one guy that – 
we both feel has a lot of potential, a lot of upside, is Dewan Mathis. He, he was actually given the nod yesterday to get with the ones in that first half to start the scrimmage off, and he didn't disappoint. I thought he looked really comfortable in the system. He's a kid with a lot of, like I said, a lot of upside, big arm, athletic. He showed that both in the inside the pocket, outside the pocket, had some great runs throughout the first half as well. So I think he's someone you continue to work with, has a chance to be pretty darn special, just needs those live in-game reps. I thought JT, when he did take over in the second half, looked comfortable. He looks healthy. Waiting to see when he gets cleared. I thought, to me, the guy that looked the best yesterday of all the quarterbacks was Carson Beck. You know, lucky for him, he was going against the number two defense, not that vaunted number one defense that UGA is going to be able to put out there this fall. But he looked really comfortable. Big, strong arm. He, too, uh, also, just like Dewan, made plays both inside and outside the pocket. So he's someone I'm interested to watch over these next couple of years, how his development takes off within this system. But all three quarterbacks... Like I said, I thought played really well. I thought it was a big win for the offense two weeks out from that first first game. Running backs produced. The receivers made some plays on the outside. This kid named Washington, this tight end, he's 6'7". He's going to be someone I'm going to be watching out for because he's so big. Great matchup against safeties and linebackers. You find him in the one-on-one, the red zone, along with George Pickens. It's going to be pretty dangerous for this offense. All right, Shane. So, you know, when... I already forgot the damn guy's name. Jamie Newman. When Jamie Newman opted out, you know, the talk in Athens was, well, hell, JT Daniels got him beat out. He's running from the competition. Yeah. Now, there was there was a little buzz that Mathis was making some noise, but I don't think Mathis was in discussion to be the starting quarterback. I think he was doing it against Georgia's reserves, any buzz he was getting. But now that we got the fact that Mathis is getting these first-team looks, Mm-hmm. and Daniels is not getting any. I mean, there's a lot of Georgia fans fired up about this Mathis, but, man, I, I feel bad because uh, because of this, this kid's story. I, I want him to succeed. And, it, hell, maybe I'll be completely wrong here. So, But what this says to me is JT Daniels is not going to be ready to go. And they're force-feeding mm. force Mathis because they want that running ability that Jamie Newman had. Yeah, and They want that in this offense. And it's, like I said, it's kind of telling what Aaron Murray says here. I mean, that he praises Carson Beck so much. Because you got to know the freshman's not going to win the job. I mean, could you imagine right. if, if that happens? I mean, that's, it's a real disaster down there. So, I mean, this just says to me that they're they're basically, you know, clearing the path for Mathis to be the starting quarterback in the event that Daniels is not healthy. Because... I don't know. It's just so hard for me to believe we've done a complete 180 to where Jamie Newman's is running from Daniels to now, oh my God, Mathis running with the first team. This is the guy. I think it's more about what we said. Remember when, when Jamie Newman left, what did we say? Kirby Smart's mad about all those reps lost. Yeah. So now he's giving them all to Mathis because we've got to get this kid up to speed because when the season is here, we don't know if JT Daniels is going to be our starting quarterback because he may not be cleared. Mm, man, what a tangled web we weave. You know, I, it's, Kirby al- keeps alluding to the fact that he will be ready, that obviously he's not the medical staff and, you know, he can't give the clearance. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it it says a lot. Well, think about it. If you've been practicing all offseason with Newman and, and you had – I mean, that's kind of how you had your offense catered toward was uh, more of a, a running quarterback – um, I mean, it, it would make sense Mathis would get more playing time because that's exactly 
the the same mold, you know. He's he's just as athletic, if not more. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you think that do you? So you're you're saying is you think it's more to do with JT not getting cleared or potentially not cleared right. than it really is. Mathis is just just taking over that offense. One hundred percent. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. And okay. they've they've got to get this kid ready to go because I think the first couple. I mean, I don't know a, a definitive timeline, but hell, what if it takes a month for JT Daniels to get cleared? You know, so they've got to get Mathis in there, and hopefully, you know, maybe he is going to be this all-star quarterback, but I sure as hell don't think Jamie Newman has left because he's afraid of what Mathis was pushing him. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. And I, I'm sure that Kirby probably looked at what Jamie Newman did, and I. this leads me to believe also that, you know, remember when he came out, first of spring and he's like well yeah jt daniels looks a lot more athletic yeah. as a runner I, th- I mean that was all bullshit you know what i mean like yeah they wanted they want that running ability but at the same time you, we've talked about it we got zamir white you got james cook you got kendall right. milton you've got runners but when you consider all the weapons they got there at georgia you know they don't need the quarterback to be an all-out runner so that's what why i kind of also leads me to believe that it's you know far less about Mathis's ability to run and JT Daniels potential, you know, inability to threaten defenses with his legs than just JT Daniels just not being medically cleared. Dude, are we just guessing? I mean, at this point, I, you know, it seems like we're, we're all these quarterback controversies that we have. I mean, we're less than two weeks away from, from kickoff. And I, I've never, I'm more uncertain about George's backfield than I than I was five weeks ago, you know. What I'm saying? It's <laughs> right. like, why are we talking about Beck? You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you had said Beck five weeks ago, I said, what? What's going on down there in Athens? So, um, my yeah, my eyebrows are raised, and there's there's a good shot, man, that we could see two to three quarterbacks week one. I, I think you know uh, who's Georgia's first game? Is it Arkansas? Georgia is at Arkansas. Yeah, so I think, I think they they try to work some kinks out week one. You know, get get all these guys some playing time, but, but somebody will take the reins, and uh, and and I think they just roll with it because I don't think Kirby wants to jump around with multiple quarterbacks. I don't I, mm-hmm. I I don't think that's the the game plan at all. It's just they don't know what they're working with, and and if JT's not ready, man, you, of course you got to give. Uh, Mathis all the all the starting nods you know so, right. so I don't know man I'm I, I'm a little worried uh, I still think they'll be fine against Arkansas but you know Alabama's right around the corner mm-hmm. all right Shane uh, let's remind the listeners we're brought to you by my bookie the online sports book head on over to mybookie.ag today enter that promo code that sec all new customers get a hundred percent deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you put in $1,000, your new customer over at mybookie.ag, and you use that promo code, they'll match that. So you'll have $2,000 to work with, and it could be as low as 100 bucks, and they'll give you an extra 100 so you got 200 using that promo code. That S-E-C-T-H-A-T-S-E-C over at mybookie.ag. Summertime at mybookie only means one thing. It's winning season. You can bet NFL, college football, NBA, Major League Baseball, UFC, NHL, they got it all over at MyBookie. Simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. And remember to use that promo code, that 
SEC. And speaking of that, Shane, my dad wanted me to tell you, now that you're uh, you're locks but lost now, he's going to sign up for my bookie, and he's going back to fading Cousin Shane. <laughs> oh, man, I was watching that game, and I was just like, what? I, I, if, first off, if there's any Western Kentucky fans on this pod, I'm sorry. Okay. I got, I got cocky, you know, I had my first win. I, you know, that maybe that was a fluke. Maybe this was a fluke. I don't know. I'm I'm batting 500 right now. And it's not, it's not looking too good. It feels like I got my, my grim reaper touch back, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey, let's skip on down to Starkville where uh, Mike Leach recapped Mississippi state's latest scrimmage. And sounds like, you know, like we've been trying to tell you, K.J. Costello, starting quarterback down there at Mississippi State. Will Rogers, the true freshman, has solidified himself as the backup. And, you know, the bearded Schrader, Shane, making that move to receiver. So Mike Leach really went in-depth on that move. Let's kick it over to Coach. Coach, um, with a couple of weeks now left for the LSU game, are you any closer to settling on a starting quarterback at this point? Uh, if we were to play today, KJ would be the starter, uh, although I think Will's doing some really good things and um, uh, just had a good scrimmage. I thought they both looked pretty good. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's a great scrimmage from the standpoint that uh, both sides have uh, some things to be uh, happy about, real happy about. Both sides got uh, uh, plenty to be pissed about, so, uh, you know, but we've revealed uh, – more work and more stuff to sharpen up on. But I thought it was a, a competitive scrimmage, and I thought, uh, you know, I was encouraged by it. Coach, with KJ and Will kind of in those two slots, where do you see Garrett fitting into this offense? And I guess do you guys kind of anticipate using him at receiver or somewhere else? Yeah, Garrett's playing at uh, slot receivers. Looked pretty good. He's had, uh, uh, had a touchdown uh, the two days prior to today. Uh, had a really good play today. Uh, the biggest thing is uh, just getting him tuned in. And, uh, you know, I think he's got to get in shape because there's a different type of shape than playing quarterback and receiver where you do all the running. But, uh, no, he's looked impressive. He's got a sense of uh, space and routes, and uh, <clears throat> he's tough to bring down. So I think he's looked uh, – I've been kind of impressed with the way he looked. Coach, back to, uh, back to Garrett for just a minute. What was kind of the, I guess – the thought process of moving him and trying him out at receiver and how, I guess, receptive has he been to, to that move and uh, just has it been something he's been kind of excited to try? Well, he's, I think he's, he's, he's excited to try. Seems really excited about it. You know, he's a really talented guy. And so you hate to leave his uh, talents on the shelf. Uh, you know, those other quarterbacks, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, they don't have some of the gifts that Garrett uh, does. And so the idea of moving them to another position, I mean, that's uh, really not very doable. Uh, their next position, uh, some of them is probably coach. But, um, the uh, uh, you know, he's a, he's a talented uh, guy. He's tough to bring down. He's explosive. He's a big target, uh, smooth runner, good hands. And uh, so, yeah, I think, he, I think he was excited. I think that... Uh, He's discovering they run a little bit more at that position than maybe he thought. So, you know, um, but uh, he's a factor when he's out there. Clarifying on Garrett a little bit here, 
Um, obviously, he's playing receiver now. Is he getting any reps at all at quarterback anymore, or is this kind of a full-time move for him out to receiver? Well, it's, it's, it's full-time today, you know. I mean, uh, we got, I think we've only scratched the surface of what he's able to do because he's only been there for three practices, and he's, uh, and he's been explosive. And um, he's been explosive, and he's, he's tough in there. And I think if we, you know, get him in game shape and he really gets uh, <clears throat> in a good rhythm out there, I think he's going to be tough to stop. Yeah, going off of that, uh, like you say, so small sample size with Strader at receiver, but uh, I know a part of this is just trying to get your, your most talented players on the field, and quarterback might not be that avenue for him right now. But if you're just objectively looking at him as a wide receiver, how does he compare to some of the other guys he's competing for, uh, for reps at that spot? And um, based on what you said earlier, it sounds like he looks like a true receiver if, when he lines up there. He does, uh, you know, he's big and fast. Uh, the other thing, he's, he's, he's a really good blocker. He doesn't go out there and just bite a guy, but you know, it's, it's pretty tough for some of those smaller guys to work their way through the tangle of all those long arms he's got, you know, because we're only trying to stop their feet and get a few seconds and they can't untangle him uh, very quickly. So I, that, that, that aspect is good. Uh, all right, Shane, so I mean, this is a big, big move, but one we kind of saw coming. We've kind of been hitting at this. So the bearded trader heading to a new position going to be, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's got that big build you kind of want, but, um, and we've seen the speed from him. We've seen the toughness. So maybe this is a natural move. And as people have hinted at, or as, as people have noted, Mike Leach has worked with guys like Wes Welker, Michael Crabtree, for those that don't know, those guys started their college careers as quarterbacks, moved to receiver. So you got to think that Mike Leach probably sold Schrader on that track record. What are your thoughts on the bearded Schrader moving to receiver? I love it because, you know, what it boils down to, you want your best 11 on the field. And was Schrader, man, I really, I wanted it to happen, Mike. Man, I tried to will it last year and it just, it just, it just felt like it never could could happen mm -hmm. and uh but the kid i love the kid i love his heart i love how tough he is um you know this time last year was the, the speaking of uh tough they the, remember the kansas state game when he was running down the sideline he jumped and got knocked in the air and did a helicopter thing yeah. oh yeah I, I mean that's no quarterbacks were doing that last year so maybe maybe that was it. Maybe he was a, a quarterback trapped in a wide receiver's body or even a tight end. I mean, the guy's huge. If he does get some weight on him, he could be one of those hybrid roles out there. And I think he has a promising future. Um, I'm glad that he's – you know, if, if quarterback wasn't going to happen, that he's willing to make this transition, put some weight on. And next thing you know, Schrader's going to be back in the end zone, buddy, because I'm telling you, the kid, is he's a hell of an athlete. Yeah, and I really want to just quickly praise him for, you know, this is an era of you you don't get the starting job, you're going to transfer. And we've seen that yeah. so many times. But Garrett Schrader, just like Luke Doty at South Carolina, these guys willing to – you know, do what's best for the team, potentially what's best for themselves, get on the field, make an impact, and you know there's going to be plenty of trick plays. So, uh, yeah, this is just going to make things more exciting in the SEC, and and we just don't know how week to week. I mean, we just saw it last week. I mean, 
I don't know if you saw. Did you see Georgia State? How many guys they were out with uh, suspensions and all this stuff? They were out like 35, 40 players. <laughs> so, I mean, who? Do, I mean, I'm certainly hope that doesn't happen in the SEC. But if it does, Garrett Schrader may be your starting quarterback, starting receiver, starting tight end. I mean, you, he could yeah. be week to week. Could be all over the field. You know what? Dude, it's it's like you're playing at home, man. You're just drawing it up in the dirt. Say, you know what? You go deep. <laughs> All right, next, let's uh, kick it kick it down to Tuscaloosa real quick. Roll Tide, where Nick Saban recapped. Uh, you know, he didn't go much on a deep dive. He's kind of the opposite of Coach Leach. He gives us about ten minutes of content, then he's out. But uh, he talked about the quarterbacks. Obviously, a, a big discussion there. Didn't go in depth on which ones did what, but. Certainly sounds pleased with uh, Mac Jones, Bryce Young, and all that. But I know we don't talk a lot of kickers out here, but Alabama, I mean, that's been the the position that's haunted them for years. And uh, remember the Iron Bowl? I mean, missed kick, that cost them the game there. So at, Nick Saban talks about Will Reichert, and it sounds like uh, after getting injured, Reichert's back on his feet. Yeah, Coach, I just wanted to know, did the quarterbacks, did they continue to show momentum? Um from last week's practice? Yeah, I mean, they were very good today, very efficient, um, good completion percentages, um, threw for, you know, some big plays, made some explosive plays, made some explosive plays in critical situations, made some, um, you know, good plays in, in special situations. I think the offense was pretty good on third down, which always goes back to quarterback decision-making and people getting open. So uh, they, were, they, 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 they played well. It's just wondering about Will Riker and his confidence coming into his second season and also wondering who is his backup this year, kicker. Uh, there's still a lot of competition at the kicking position. You know, Joseph's still here, and he has a lot of experience, and he's actually made improvement, you know, this fall. Um, and, you know, we have some other guys that are in the program that have done extremely well. So, um, you know, th- there's a lot of competition there, and I'm not ready to single anybody out. Um, we're still trying to figure out who the best kicker is. We've heard a lot about LeBron Ray this, this offseason, but what have you seen from the young guys that got opportunities last year, guys like Justin Boigby and, and Byron Young and Christian Ball, how have they kind of taken that next step? Um, you know, I, I think they're making progress. Uh, I think Justin's probably the guy that has been the most consistent um, guy. Uh, all those guys have made uh, a lot of progress. Uh, Barmore has certainly been one of our best pass rushers. Um, you know, he's going to be out for a few days um, uh, with a, a, a knee injury. Uh, not significant, not serious. But um, so he, he didn't work today, but um, he, he has done it really, really well. Uh, but we got to get these guys to be good all around players. We got to get them to be able to rush the passer. Uh, some of them play the run, uh, got to improve pass, rushing the passer. We got some guys that rush the passer well, and they've got to improve on playing the run. So, um, you know, it's kind of a group effort to get that um, group continuing to improve. Uh, without watching the film today, I can't really comment on exactly, you know, how we did. But for the most part, we have been a little more physical up front, and you know, we're getting challenged every day because we got a pretty good, you know, offensive line. I've been pleased with the way they've played. So, um, and uh, we, you know, it's good competition for everybody. Shade, so the the one position of need, of course, we've heard this before. Hell, last year we were uh-huh. talking up Alabama signed some coach that is apparently famous for, we, we were calling him the kicker whisperer. 
And then he whispered, I don't know what the hell he whispered to him, but he whispered the wrong damn thing last year. So could be potential more hype for nothing. But hey, if I'm an Alabama fan, at least I'm pretty fired up that Wilt Reichert sounds like he's back to 100%. Didn't they they do a documentary like a few years back on the, I think he's from Russia, the kicker. Wasn't Wasn't that Alabama? It sounds like a game day type deal, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a game day. Like, you know, his his life was really tough, and, mm-hmm. you know, he came over here, and next thing you know, he's kicking for Alabama. I think that was it, right? Yeah, I think so. Because it's every year, Mike. I'm I'm not buying into a kicker, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't care how many game day specials they put on this thing. <laughs> There's a curse down there, and they know it. So uh, I did see the practice videos. You, I, I saw you put that out. I thought that was pretty funny. They didn't have goalposts up, so they were just, like, kicking <laughs> into the stands, which is great, you know? I was like <laughs> – Hey, you can't if, – if your goal is to kick it in the stands, they Alabama kickers, they, they nailed 100% of their kicks over the weekend. That's right. Kick it over the mountain. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I bought in, I mean, they've had some great kickers come through there and it just, whatever. It's just, it's a pressure cooker, man. And the fact that this thing's been going on year after year, if these kids don't know that there's a little bit of a curse going on down there, they will soon as they get down. So I just, it's one thing to kick and practice Mike, but it's another when you're kicking during a game. So <laughs> All right, let's uh, stay in the state of Alabama. Let's kick it down to Auburn real quick. War damn eagle. Where Gus Malzahn talked about uh, the freshman class. I mean, it sounds like he is really, really high on a lot of his freshmen. And this is a, a year where freshmen across the board are going to have to play. That's why the it, part of the reason why the NCAA you know, is making all these guys eligible and they won't lose a year. So we don't want depth to become an issue at any point. So Gus kind of talks about that. And then, hell, we've been – Talking about it for weeks on end here. The offensive line at Auburn, it's going to be the critical, critical position for the Tigers. If that offensive line comes together, we may be looking at Auburn having one of the most explosive offenses in the SEC. And then uh, I thought some you know, very interesting comments here. Bo Nix kind of lost some of his confidence dur- during last season, according to him, and kind of how he rebounded and, and finished the season strong. So I thought these were some pretty interesting comments from Gus Malzahn. Hey, Gus. Uh, the other day, Kevin was saying that Chris Thompson's really done a good job of working his way up into that safety rotation. Um, just what, what stood out to you about him this preseason as a freshman? Well, first of all, it's important to him. That's what stood out. Uh, you know, I think he's got a really good football IQ, too. And, you know, you got to understand those freshmen, they're learning as they go. And, you know, we put a lot on those guys as far as our, um, you know, our installs been been a lot faster than it normally is in normal fall camp because we didn't have spring. So I think he's adjusted well. And, and really overall, I think uh, the freshman group overall has. And, you know, I just I, I think this freshman group's got a chance to really be uh, – have a chance to be special. Uh, they're off to a great start um, really in the classroom. They're off to a great start with Coach Russell working out. And then it's transitioned on the field too. So uh, they, they've got a chance to really, really be a special class, I feel like. Gus, Kevin talked about, you know, a couple of freshmen at linebackers stepping up because they've gotten more reps. Has that been one of the 
maybe the one of the benefits of this is that those guys have been able to get more reps and get them more prepared than they might be in a normal situation. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, if you got guys out, and of course, what, two weeks ago, we had to cancel a few practices because we had some low numbers at certain positions because of out for COVID-related issues. So that's the positive. I mean, they're, they're getting they're getting quality reps. It's not like just getting reps with the threes and everything gets a little bit ugly. No, those young guys are actually getting reps with the ones and twos when it really is is sound around them and they have a chance to really show what they can do to be, be successful. So, you know, that's the positive. And, um, you know, that's the way we're looking at it. And like I told you a couple of weeks ago, I think the teams that can adjust and not get distracted or, or get discouraged and all that, they just say next man up. And uh, that's the teams I think are going to have, you know, an advantage. Gus, can you talk about how many uh, true freshmen might actually uh, play in the opening game and how important is it to be able to play those guys and not have to worry about red shirts this year, which is a Yeah. You know, Mark, that's a good question. I mean, I think from a coach's standpoint, you got to be prepared to play them all. I mean, you know, week by week, if you can get tested three times a week, you know, we've been tested two times a week, but now if you go to three, I mean, things change uh, so quick. Uh, and like I said, the biggest challenge isn't the positive, it's, it's the contact tracing. So just from our mindset as coaches, and we told the fresh, you all got to be ready to play. And so they've all gotten reps. But your last question, you know, not having to worry about four games and the red shirt, you know, that, that really, you know, it takes a lot of the other stuff off. But this is a unique year. And um, not just the freshmen, but, you know, everyone has to be thinking that they're going to get to play this, this season. Now, we'll see how that goes. But – it's just, um, it, it's a different day. As a follow-up, uh, Gus, um, how do you feel overall about your offensive line? Just better, good, worried? How, yeah. how do you feel? Here, here's, here's the thing. Each day I think they've gotten better. Um, we've moved guys around to try to figure out what is our best lineup. And we've had a couple injuries, a couple guys out during this time. But, you know, after this scrimmage, it's going to be, okay, here's the pieces of the puzzle. We got two weeks to prepare, so I know the offensive staff's talking about that as we speak. You know, breaking down the film and and looking to see what that'll look like. Hey Gus, uh, in a recent interview, I saw Bo said that last season he kind of lost his confidence and swagger. Um, just how did you see him handle that, and what can he do to build off that uh, going into his sophomore season? Yeah, well, first of all, if if we're real with ourselves, he he uh, as a true freshman quarterback, he played the toughest schedule. Um, in college football, maybe in the last 10 years, if you really look at the schedule and the road games that he had to do. So, yeah, any freshman quarterback would have had tough times. I was impressed that he held things together as good as he did because uh, it was extremely challenging. And, you know, when you're a quarterback at a place like Auburn or a top SEC school, there's unbelievable pressure that goes with that. And there's the highs are high, the lows are low. Um, but, yeah, at times he, he, you know, lost his confidence to a certain – point but he's a fighter and he kept fighting and you know he played his best ball in the in the iron bowl and made some great plays to help us win that game so you know he's different now i mean it, it feels different his uh his um approach is different uh he's no longer uh a true freshman and um you know i, I expect him to to be a leader on this team all right, Shane. So, it's, like I said, it sounds like the freshmen are going to play a key role for the Tigers next this season, and 
Um, you know, it's how interesting is it that a guy that named SEC Player of the Year, Freshman Player of the Year, you know, admits that he kind of, you know, lost, you know, I guess kind of hit that freshman wall and, and lost some confidence, some swagger here in the middle of the year, but he was still able to finish strong and get a win in the Iron Bowl. Yeah, no, I, I guess had a lot of actually pretty good things to say down here. And, you know, it's if you think about it, how many, how many players do they have on an active roster? Is it like somewhere around 90? Yeah, eighty-five, and, and 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 you know you every year. I mean, you have you have your core, you have the amount that you're going to dress out, mm-hmm. and then you have those that you just you know you you know it's a project. You got to work on them for a few years, and and then they may be able to be competitive depth or whatever. So you got on one hand a coach that has to deal with contact tracing and COVID and keep. I mean, that's that's a whole different animal. But mm-hmm. what's nice is everybody that has a pair of shoulder pads can play in a game and not lose eligibility. So I, I think I think this is going to open up some some stuff. Um, you know, you're going to see a lot more freshmen being uh, being active. Uh, you, you, they have to be ready, Mike. You can't just like let them run with the the twos and threes, you know, because there may come a time where the team, half the team's hit with COVID and you got to rely on them. And if they haven't got adequate amount of, of, of reps during practice, then it's going to show up during that game. So uh, I think all the rules are, are, are out the book or all the, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Golly, <laughs> I, little, know, I, I know what you're trying to say, but little something, <laughs> little something starting to kick in. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe with maybe this is the year we find out that uh, you know across the board, if you got you know the right coaching, the right player, these freshmen will be day one ready to go. Now at the yeah. same time, maybe we'll find out. Maybe that's why Nick Saban don't play a lot of freshmen in the secondary. You know, even though they have to because they keep getting burned. So it kind of goes to what you're saying, what we've been saying for weeks on end here. We just don't know what in the hell we're getting into here. Yeah. Because some of these guys may get forced on the field a little bit earlier than than normal. So it's good that they're not going to be losing their year of eligibility. But um, all these coaches kind of, particularly at Auburn and LSU specifically, I'm thinking of, they're talking up this freshman class and how great they are. But, you know, they're they're all great till they have to do it on the field. You know what? So <laughs> yeah, I like to hear the confidence. I like to hear the buzz. But now I need to see it on the field. Absolutely, man. All right, last stop around the SEC. Let's jump on down to Columbia, Missouri real quick. Where M-I-Z! Eli Drinkowitz didn't have a ton to say after the Tigers' most recent scrimmage, but he did have a really interesting comment here on Nick Bolton's hair. I really like this one. And then uh, he was asked, I mean, I thought this was fascinating. Five left guards in five days down there in Missouri because of all this COVID and injuries and all this stuff. So, I mean, Eli Drinkowitz kind of sums up every coach's issues right now. Yeah, Eli, just uh, I'm sure you didn't sit around all day and watch games or anything, but just from what you've seen around the country, do you expect a a little bit of a maybe a rougher start just the way all summer has gone just for teams, you know, then maybe they look different than they would at the beginning of a normal season? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that's bearing witness right now. I mean, congratulations to Billy Napier and ULL and, and uh, Blake Anderson and Arkansas State for, you know, two great road wins um, 
you know, against Big 12 opponents. Um, you know, you saw BYU versus Navy, um, you know, and I think, you know, anytime you're playing a team that's already played a game, I think that's always a difficult challenge, uh, which you saw UAB playing with Miami. You know, I think fundamentals and tackling and, and ball security are really showing up in, in every game. Um, you know, who's playing with the best ball security, who's got good fundamentals and who's tackling the best. Uh, I absolutely expect that it's going to be, you know, kind of what we're seeing um, because there's a fine line as a coach on, you know, how much physicality do you, do you, do you use in the preseason and risk injury? Um, but, you know, how much do you not do as Navy, you know, alluded to, and then you're not prepared for the first game. So that's the magic of coaching, you know, obviously for us, um, not having spring, not, not being able to work with our guys, not having an untraditional fall camp, only being, you know, um, however many practice, I think this is practice 17 for us. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think the things that we got to control are, is our physicality, our ball security and tackling. One thing that I noticed after today is the fans really don't care. You know, if, if I don't think any of the Kansas State fans or Iowa State fans are sitting around blaming COVID right now. So, um, you know, they, they expect that when you compete, that, that your team wins. So that's how we're preparing. I know you touched on Nick Bolton's leadership a little bit, but just purely from a physical standpoint, what stands out about him at linebacker? He's got really big arms and he, he hits like a ton of bricks. Man, he's got great hair. Hey, Eli, um, obviously with any training camp, you, you kind of deal with injuries and everything, but now you got COVID, I guess. It is kind of a cliche when, when maybe teams say next man up mentality, but how, how, how do you kind of tell your team that, you know, it really is kind of like that this year? I've had five starting left guards in the last five days. I've had five starting left guards in the last five days. So, it, I mean, it's unlike anything I've ever seen, uh, and it's – I mean, it's a truly, I mean, you can say next man up mentality and that's what it is. And, you know, John Anderson said it to me the other day, the more you can do, the more you can do. And, uh, you know, like, like I told, like I just said, just a second ago, uh, and like I told our team, nobody really cares about the excuse. They just expect the performance. And so, you know, whether or not it's the fifth left guard or the first left guard, they're going to expect that the performance uh, meets their expectation. We got a lot of work to do in order to meet that expectation. But like I said, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen uh, with the amount of people. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll update it as we get closer to, to, to uh, the Bama week. But, you know, we had a positive test yesterday that knocked out three players for a quarantine. And, and uh, those guys will now be unavailable for the Alabama game. So it's, uh, I mean, it's any, any, any person positive or quarantined from this point on is unavailable for week one opponent. And, that, and that's real. And that's, uh, that's interesting dynamic. I, I, you know, be two weeks out and know that you can't get anybody back. is pretty interesting. All right. So coach Drinkowitz, uh, <laughs> is half comedy and half reality here. Just, uh, I, I love these Nick Bolton comments. And then, you know, I, he makes a great point here where, you know, we talk and talk, we've been talking all off season about this COVID, but once these games getting kicked off, you know, hell, we're not talking about oh, Iowa State. You know, they had to deal with COVID. We opened the show with it. The Big 12's a disaster, but right. I mean, hell, 
this is just such an unusual season. And like he says, I mean, you're going to be judged win or loss. It doesn't matter what's going on outside of football. No, it, it doesn't. And I, it's weird, man. You know, that that's what I understand about all this contact tracing. Maybe, maybe my company's not doing it right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like we've had people that I work with have COVID uh-huh. and miss time and nobody ever, I mean, we're, we're with them. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> this contract thing. I mean, nobody came up and said, Hey Shane, did you, uh, did you eat lunch with this guy? Yeah. You know, well, he's got COVID. All right. That just means I got to go in earlier tomorrow. You know, it's like, uh, that's, I, I, maybe, maybe, I don't know that may, are are the universities just being, I don't know. They have to be really careful. I get that because they're in, they got a spotlight on them and, but it just seems like, like Wanya Morris has been in damn quarantine for 40, 50 days. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, I don't even think he's practiced with the guys. It's, it blows my mind that just like, how close are you to these people? And, and how close do you, I, it, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how that stuff works, but you're right. When it, when it comes down to it, Mike, nobody remembers COVID. No, I mean, nobody remembers. That's why they lost the game. Nobody, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, they're going to remember why did you call this play? Why did exactly. this receiver drop? We just saw uh, DeAndre Swift. If you miss it, you know he oh. dro- he dropped the touchdown that would have won the game. I mean, that's what people are going to remember. And there's not going to be any damn excuses because everyone's going through COVID. So it, they, these coaches get and players get peppered with these damn questions. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's the same old, same old. You're going to get judged on if did you make the play or did you not. And that's what uh, Coach Strinkowitz is getting at here, and and I kind of liked it. Well, I tell you, speaking of uh, the NFL, a couple of them. Did you see Joe Burrow uh, play? <laughs> yep, that was that was great. I thought he was going to have the the epic game winning drive there. I I did too, but it, it felt like they just weren't letting him cut loose. And of course, I, I know San Diego's got a pretty good defense, but uh, it just. He, he just didn't seem like himself yet, and so I hope that takes off. And I feel bad for Swift. Man, I mean, your first game, and they drive all the way down, a couple seconds left, and you miss a, you miss it, man. You dropped it right there in the end zone. So I just uh, I feel bad for him. But uh, I, love, I love the NFL, Mike. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and it was good seeing some of this SEC talent because – you talk about somebody looking good. You saw Clydesdale the other day, right? Kansas oh, City. Yeah. He's on his way Jeez. to Rookie of the Year, isn't he? Man, crown him! I got a buddy that's got him in fantasy football league, and he won't shut up about him. So, <laughs> yeah, no, this is uh, this is this is good, man. I love. That's what we do. That's why we do this. So, uh, college leads to pro, and and uh, it's just good. it's good seeing all that SEC talent play on Sundays too. All right, last thing, real quick, just wanted to mention this before we get out of here. Good news for the Vols, Shane. Over the weekend, we're able to scrimmage. They scrimmaged twice this week. And remember, it was this time last week, ESPN running, oh, my God, the entire team's in quarantine. So uh, (laughs) it was not the end of the world. Good news. or The Vols, you know, still not at 100%. You could tell by, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's comments throughout the week, but Hey, they're they're gearing up, and the main takeaway I got from all these pressers, I don't I don't think I included this in any of the clips, just because it's not really relevant. But every single coach said, "All right, we're going from camp 
to week one prep. So all these teams diving into whoever you got to face week one, Mm -hmm. they're gearing up for it. The season is right around the corner, less than two weeks from the start of the SEC season. And after so many months and weeks of people telling us it ain't going to (laughs) happen, oh, man, it's right around the corner. I can't wait for it. Oh, me either, man. I'm already pumped. I I just – what we saw Saturday was awesome. I mean, start to finish, there was no SEC games. And it was just – I was watching teams I I would never watch. And they were just <laughs> fantastic, man. And the crowd noise, I, I'm telling you, the, I watched that Kansas City game, and there was about uh, the Chiefs. So I'm going back to the NFL. I'm bouncing all over the place, Mike. I'm telling you, a little something is doing something to me here. <laughs> but the Chiefs had about 20,000 fans there, right? A ballpark – 20,000 probably less but they were loud man it it was it was a ton of noise so I think even though that we're going to start out with a a depleted crowd I think we're still going to have a ton of crowd noise and uh and it's not going to feel like you know you're watching a practice everywhere but Vandy (laughs) well bless bless your heart maybe they'll maybe they'll pump in some volunteer noise or something (laughs) (laughs) oh man so vanderbilt you can't have so they're the only they're the only sec because i saw they came out the list and it said to be determined or whatever so they're at zero vandy's at zero the rest of the sec 20 to 25 percent bless them you know i mean come on guys you should just open the gates (laughs) let them sell out for once let vandy be the but, but the, the best joke online as soon as I put that out. So Vandy's attendance stays the same. <laughs> <laughs> about oh, about a thousand man. of you messaged me that. So I appreciate that one. But hey, Shade, it's getting late. Sounds like you're getting woozy. Yeah. You had a long day at work. Yeah. Let's hop yeah. off here. And uh, and if you made it this far, if you wouldn't be if you wouldn't mind just giving us that five star written review on Apple Podcasts, that really does help the show grow. We send you a free beer koozie just for doing that. But uh, that's gonna do it, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. A oh, real quick, Mike, a little yes, something. I'm I'm rating seven point four. Fantastic. Not 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 fantastic. Great. It's a, it's a good actually it's a strong good. That's where we're at right now. Strong good. I would recommend, I'd drink it again. Okay. Love you guys. Go Vols. <laughs>